Hi, and welcome to Entrepreneur on the Grow and the People Matter series, where we're looking at why entrepreneurs need to understand and work to develop their people. Uh, it's very exciting uh, to talk about this, uh, uh, particularly in context of, of startups and entrepreneurs. Uh, we're very, very excited today to also have Jackie Kennedy joining us again. Um, as you know, in the previous podcast, we spoke through why you as an entrepreneur need to invest in your people. And we, we spoke about how your business is really dependent on people and those people in your operation, whether the operation is you know, really small or big, we know that the people are central to its success. And, and Jackie, who is a highly qualified business coach and management consultant, also the founder of Lead Me Academy, and of course, Startup School's uh, lead business coach is joining me again today. So, so welcome, Jackie, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Jared. I'm excited to be here again today. Jackie, you identified a few major themes last time in our conversation, and one of them was communication, and it's a massive topic, I know, and, and I guess it's, it's as simple as it is complex, really. You know, we know good communication is what we want, but we really do get it so wrong so often. So I know that communication is important as an entrepreneur. I know that I need to be good at it. I know that my people also need to be good at it, but if I'm honest, I don't know whether I really can tell you what good communication looks like. So maybe, maybe let me start with like a, a counter stance to try and sort of get the picture. What does bad or poor communication look like in a, in a business environment? What, what do we get wrong regularly and, and, and when it comes to communication in this, in this work environment? Sure. Okay, Jared. So, wow, way to begin. Communication is literally the lifeblood of any organization and it's complex. It's very complex. Um, at a high level, the flags of poor communication are things like uh, confusion, disorganization, inconsistency, um, and it generally consists of a lot of the following. Too much communication, too much noise, or the opposite, too little, um, mm. or problems in process and style. Um, so let me give you a few examples that I can think of offhand. So in this world of work and in this age where most people are literally paid to think. So, you know, we've got machines and automation and robots, robots and all of that to take care of the kind of mundane communication, right? Um, our employees are really paid to think and they want autonomy. So what we often see in organizations is that there's just too much telling. Um, so telling people what to do, how to do it, when to do it, and often referred to as micromanagement. Um, and this kind of communication within organizations, which is kind of very directional and can be borderline aggressive, just doesn't foster a healthy work environment. It makes individuals feel undervalued and underutilized and a sense of lack of autonomy over their work and their environment. So I would say that is one of the biggest things I've seen uh, from my personal experience of coaching leaders and managers within organizations, just the kind of style factors. Um, the next big one I've seen in a lot of kind of startups is a lack of direction. So there's just, there's sometimes there isn't someone clearly steering the ship or they are a you know, new founder and they're confused and they're being pulled in many different directions and they've got so many things on their list that they want to do and they keep jumping around. And this creates a lot of confusion uh, for those employees, not really knowing, you know, what is the clear direction? Are we all in alignment? What are we all working on and pulling towards? So that would be another factor of poor right. communication. That one I've definitely seen in, in, in action in many instances and I've experienced it myself. 
I can imagine, yeah. And and the next one is something I like to refer to as communication debt. Um, and this is this idea of where organizations or leaders and teams fail to talk about four key things when they communicate. One is uh, the reason for why they're communicating. So, um, you know, what, what is the purpose of what we're trying to do? You know, we always need to know what the why is, right, before we do something. Um, assumptions. So do we get out the assumptions on the table? Do we discuss expectation management? And then do we really discuss the needs of the individuals? Um, and are we ticking all four of those boxes? And the acronym there is NEAR. Um, and are we we're ticking all of those in our communication? Because when we're not ticking them, that's when you see uh, some real serious um, problems. I mean, I don't need to say it. You know the saying about assumptions, right? Assumptions are <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> I don't need to finish the sentence. So, um, so that's those boxes not being ticked. And then um, a big thing that I've seen in organizations, and this for me is probably, I don't know if pandemic or if epidemic is the right name for this, but a lack of a culture of micro feedback. Um, so just this idea of giving people continuous feedback on the spot to assist their growth and their behavior change and to give them positive recognition. And then uh, another key point for me, and this is a big one, I've been mostly speaking to kind of like the style of communication, but but so often in organizations, the pro, there isn't a clear process and agreed communication rhythms around the channels um, and how, how people really communicate, which channels they use for what, um, and so on. And just kind of um, a disease of too many meetings and organizations and not enough time to actually get work done. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that's a big one there. And then I think from a leadership perspective, what I see is, you know, people are always asking me, um, so, you know, what, for example, our program, we, we, we seek to develop leaders at all levels and, and organizations always ask me, well, what level is your program designed at? And my, my question to them is, well, how mature are your level, are your leaders? Because just because you have a tenure or title or position such as CEO, founder, or senior management, doesn't necessarily mean that you have the conscientiousness or maturity of a good a leader, an effective communicator as a leader. So I think what I'm really speaking about here, uh, poor communication comes down to a lack of poor self-awareness of leaders, leading to abrasive communication, lack of empathy and understanding, and the list goes on and on and on. So for me, <laughs> I, I mean, we could go on and on, but I would say those are kind of the top flags of, of poor communication within organizations. That's fantastic. And I think, you know, you as you're talking through them, you know, you. I can I can just reflect and, and know that I've experienced those at different times in in in, in working within organisations. So, you know, it, it's definitely those are definitely really big sticking points of, of of poor or bad communication. So you've given me a, a sense of that, and that we know we don't want that. So, what does good communication look like? Mm, so it's almost kind of would be flipping what I just said, right? So um, the first thing there is you want to have consistency, right? Consistency is king in communication. Um, you should really be thinking through your messaging um, and making sure that it's always clear, it's regular, and it's consistent. 
Um, so how succinct can you make your communication? How frequent is it? And how consistent is the message? That's what you really want to get to grips on when it comes down to kind of company-wide communication. And then if you're flipping this idea of too much telling in organizations, right? Um, an easy way and something practical that our listeners can simply just start uh, building a habit around today and use in their work environment is stop telling people what to do and rather start asking them. So it's this kind of simple idea of ask, don't tell. Um, and so the idea is um, if you're trying to get someone uh, to come up with an idea or you're trying to get a buy-in um, to drive an, something forward in the company, simply ask, what is your thoughts on this? How would you do this differently? How else might we do this? It's, uh, so basically invite them to come up with the solution. You might know the solution, but if you really want to drive buy-in and get commitment and get people excited, you want to ask them, create a sense, provide them with a sense of autonomy over their work, get them thinking and, and finding solutions and creating them themselves. And they will be far more bought in and they will communicate the message better um, because they're bought into it, right? So I think that would be a good one on, on flipping that too much telling. Um, and then I think going back to what I mentioned about Nia just now. So let's think about this, you know, um, if near is really this idea of what is the reason for why we're doing something. So, you know, to be able to steer the ship and create direction, you should really have a very clear, bigger picture. What is the purpose of the organization? This should be clear for everybody and everybody should know what it is. And it should be um, coming back to that idea of consistent, clearly and frequently uh, communicated. Uh, the reasons should always be given for why you're doing something um, and how it ties back to the purpose of the organization so that you keep connecting back to the purpose of the organization because that builds a culture, it builds an understanding and it drives the purpose home. Everybody knows why they're doing something, how they fit into the bigger picture um, and, and what's expected of them. And part of that is really managing expectations. So that that's really taking the time before you start a project to really speak about what exactly are the expectations here from all parties involved. And maybe you need to use a tool such as kind of the RACI model where you think through, you know, what's the information, who needs to be informed, who's responsible, who's accountable, um, and, and, um, and who needs to be consulted, right? So that sets the team up for what needs to happen and what are the, the expectations there from everybody involved. And that gets everyone pulling in the right direction together. Um, and then we really need to think about assumptions. So this is a tricky one because assumptions, we often only realize afterwards, right? That's, that's the kind of, that's the whole point yeah. of it. It's an assumption. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, it's an afterthought. But how do we start to have that conversation about what are you assuming up front? Um, what am I assuming that you might know? What are you assuming that you think I want you to do, et cetera, et cetera? Because if we can get the assumptions out, we can have much better communication and we can re remove that kind of, that where we get into that situation of, oh goodness, but I thought you wanted me to do X or I assumed that you knew Y, et cetera. So we really want to try to get those assumptions out because they really can mess things up. And then, um, um, so that's, yeah, so that's, and then needs. So, so sorry, the last point there is needs and that's about addressing, you know, 
both parties' needs need to be addressed um, so that we avoid building up communication debt. And that's really kind of the level of frustration because we need to understand what is everyone's needs um, in this communication process to be able to understand what they need in order to effectively get their work done and understand where they're at and so on. Um, and then I think another important thing to think about is this idea of, um, so flipping it again. So earlier I said a problem is when there's not enough feedback in an organization. So how do we flip that? And so the idea is how do you cultivate a culture of just-in-time feedback? So it's no longer about waiting for the three-month review, the annual review, or the six-month review to give your team members feedback or to give each other feedback. Um, we really need to create a culture of just-in-time feedback. It lands so much better for a start because it's not the stressful event that you wait until you get all of this feedback, but you're also, it's just-in-time. So as people are doing things, you're giving them both positive and constructive feedback in the moment. They can then assess exactly how it relates to their behavior. So really thinking about things like the situation, the behavior, and the impact. Um, and it allows them to adjust their behavior in the moment. And it allows the leader to then also kind of see the growth and provide acknowledgement and positive feedback and the trick here is that you ultimately, when you're wanting to have good communication, you're wanting to actually change behavior and you're wanting to acknowledge the specific change in behavior. And so if you start to give regular feedback and if leaders lead from the front, as in they openly invite feedback and they ask for it on the job every single day in instances and they take it on board and actively act differently we start to create a culture where we give and receive feedback and that lets into, that helps individuals grow quickly it helps teams grow quickly and it helps organizations grow quickly because it's a feedback loop and we're closing that feedback loop just in time in the moment so that is something i would strongly suggest building a rhythm into your um, a way of being into your organization should i say um, I really and like that. that's such a such a, a an eye-opening concept that just in time uh, feedback and I think we 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 often don't do that even in, in our daily lives not just in the workplace we kind of hold these these things in for long periods of time and where if we had actually learned to to speak more immediately more, more you know at the, at the moment with, with with consideration we would would have much better relationships totally and sometimes we just miss the opportunity right because we yeah. want to give someone that feedback and then we don't do it in the moment and then it's been a week or it's been a month and then we think oh goodness i better not bring this up now i'm just mm. going to be opening a can of worms so the moment has passed right um yeah. and and the thing is i think also when we get that feedback instantly in the moment, right, it really helps us as individuals to know where we're at constantly. And we no longer kind of fear these, these three-month or annual reviews because we just, we know how we're performing. We know how we're doing. We know what we yeah. need to adjust our behavior. There's no surprises. Just, there's no surprises. It's just such a positive experience. And, and, and yeah, you just know where you stand. And I think further to it, um, I don't know if you know about radical candor, but um, radical candor is just this kind of idea of giving regular direct uh, feedback. Um, and and but the idea is that uh, by doing this, you you don't just give positive feedback, but you give um, you give constructive feedback too. But the idea is that um, a lot of the time people don't give feedback because they they almost care too much, and so they don't want to mm. hurt people's feelings, and so they kind of stay on this end, which radical candor calls uh, erroneous empathy. Um, but but the idea here is that you you really want to. 
um, get to a place where you're giving that feedback because in the, what we don't realize is that when we're not giving people feedback, we're actually not helping them grow. We're actually disempowering them. And yeah. so by trying to be too kind and being too nice, we're disempowering them as individuals. Imagine that I, you know, you some piece of feedback that someone didn't tell you for four years. And if they just told you then, it would have made such a big difference to your career. So, you know, it's getting into this framework that giving people feedback is actually empowering and growing them and helping them develop in their careers um, and so on. Yeah, no, it's great advice. Um, but yeah, sorry, and just coming back here, I mean, two more things that I think are really important, and I, uh, this I see in organizations also all the time, is a lack of defining the channels of communication and the rhythms. Mm. So what are the rhythms within, within the organization? You know, when do we have a one-on-one meetings? When do we have our team meetings? When do we have our town halls? Uh, which channels do we use for what, you know? Why do we, do we, do we use Slack? Do we use Teams? Do we use Zoom? Do we use email? Do we use WhatsApp? Do we use the phone? If so, for what purpose exactly so it should uh, companies should take the time to define exactly which channels they use for what and what are the SLAs and turnaround times on that communication so you know for example email should be used for communicating information mostly one way right and that one to record of and that we don't expect an immediate response to because otherwise we have employees trying to do really good work and be productive but they've got to jump in and out of their inboxes all day long which is something I see all over the place um, and and then versus say the phone which we should use for urgent urgent media situations right we pick up the phone if we need to know something in the next two hours um, yeah. and anyway it's just about getting these rhythms and these channels and that creates really effective communication because everybody knows which channel to use when what's the expected SLA how much time they have they can fit in their focused work um, and it creates less confusion and it reduces the amount of over communication so this yeah. is another big thing and this idea of people just um, you know I'm emailing you something I'm whatsapping it to you and I'm chatting to mm -hmm. you in the meeting about it right <laughs> And I'm sure you've experienced that, Jared, I can imagine in your own kind of career. Um, and it's just been bombarded at all directions. So we can reduce the overload of communication if we get this right. And I think a big one there is that if we start to build trust within organizations, we can reduce the number of meetings. Because what I'm seeing is that so often we have meetings about everything. And the reason, and everyone's invited to every meeting because people are fearful that if they don't invite them to the meeting, then they won't, um, they will, someone will have missed something and they won't know. That for me actually screams that there is a communication rhythm and channel problem within the organization. So how are we distilling and sharing information? We shouldn't just be having meetings to communicate yeah. information, right? We should be having meetings to discuss and brainstorm and those kind of things. Um, so it's it's just about getting our channels and our rhythms right. Already, yeah. that's an important one. Why I say that is also there's so many interesting uh, tools out there, communication tools, and I, I often see, especially early stage startups, using too many tools and not really understanding what those different tools, you know, should be used for. So you know, they've got. You, you mentioned Slack. You know, you have Slack and you have Asana and you have. Uh, intercom and you have uh, you know and your normal email and then whatsapp and they haven't sat down and gone these are we're going to be using this for this and that for that um, and eventually as you say it's sort of this communication overload uh, and, and, and ineffective communication Mm, exactly, exactly. Um, and I think that the last thing about good communication, and this really comes back to flipping 
that point before I forget is around self-awareness. Um, it's one of my personal favorite models for communication. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but it's called PAC and it's actually called Parents, the Adults and the Child. And it's from Transactional Analysis, um, Psychoanalysis. But for communication, it's a really great thing to notice the lens or it's a lens you can use to to uh, shift the way you engage with people. And so to put simply, it talks about the parent. And when we go into the parent, we often display behaviors and styles from kind of the generalized parenting, right? So it's kind of like this authoritative, direction, directional, instructional, you should, you must, generally quite aggressive kind of communication style. Um, and it's, it's often kind of that telling that comes out, right? And then the adult is this, this idea of this individual who's able to remain in the present moment and in the now, and they ask questions to seek to understand. So they're very logical, rational, reasonable, reasonable mature, empathetic. It's that kind of person that, you know, you meet those individuals in your life and you think, wow, that person just always seems so kind of, fair, consistent and calm, right? They kind of managed to just naturally get this kind of adult demeanor going constantly. And then the last one there is the child, which is obviously, again, associated with behaviors um, and thoughts and processes from childhood. So associated with things like sulking, passive aggressive, irritable, uh, gloomy, Victim mentality, one of my, oh, yeah, victim mentality, yeah. Bla blaming, um, making up excuses, avoidance. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, my goodness, well, we don't see it. You know, this, these are children-like mentality. Well, I promise you, you see it in the workplace all the time, and we all do it. We're all flipping from the parent to the adult to the child. So if we want to create self-awareness as adults, we need to actually start noticing well, when do I go into the parent, the adult, or the child? Because the parent evokes the child. So when you start telling someone how to do their work, micromanaging them, you often get the child response, which is like making up excuses, blaming, avoiding things, um, becoming disconnected or disengaged, right? Um, and when and then the child evokes the parent, right? So when you're struggling with someone's work and maybe they're not uh, staying up to date or they're falling behind, you might start becoming the parent. And, and so it's kind of like the chicken or the egg, right? And then you start becoming more and more controlling. You should, you must, da, 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 and it just spirals out of control. So this fun little lens is a, a thing that you can literally take away from this conversation today. And you can A, ask yourself, where do I operate the most, if I'm really honest? Am I operating from the parent, the adult, or the child um, in most of my conversations? Um, and what can I start to do to notice when I'm going into the parent or the child? What is the trigger? And then how can I bring myself constantly back into the adult and seek to understand others, ask questions, um, you know, really engage? Um, yeah, I hope that's I hope that's helpful. Oh, that's it's incredibly helpful. And it kind of leads me to, to probe in a little bit deeper into the question of. You know, I, I could, in all these things you've mentioned, I, I can I can just imagine and I can, I've seen myself getting it wrong, you know, uh, doing all of these things you, you, you've mentioned. So as a leader or as, as an entrepreneur, I know I need to fix them. So what is what, where do I start? How do I get better? How do I fix my potentially, you know, detrimental communication skills? 
Yeah, well, I, I think a really good starting point and, and something I always like to do with individuals around their communication is a SWOT activity. So I think most people know what a SWOT is, but it's a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats analysis. Um, often you use it to, you know, analyze your business um, or yourself in general. But what I like to say is do a SWOT on your communication style. So keeping in mind that communication is really broad. So it's, you know, it's not, it's verbal, it's, you know, it's everything. It's from the way you speak to the way you show up to your written writing to you know it's, it's very complex but basically the idea is that you start off by writing out what you perceive to be your strengths weaknesses strengths and weaknesses around your communication and then how those might be turned into opportunities or threats threats would be something that is literally limiting uh, your organization through your communication style as a leader or an entrepreneur for example so you know if you're required to be able to pitch um, and present to, you know, go forward in your organization and it's something that you are will struggle with or are very uncomfortable with, then you would, you know, it could be a threat to you, right? Because um, it's quite serious. And then what are your opportunities? What are your strengths that you can double down on when it comes to communication? And what are your areas for growth? And so the key to this process is to first write down your perceived understanding of yourself and then start this leadership journey with your team and ask others for feedback, you know, lead as you would. So get lots and lots of feedback from your juniors, from your seniors, your direct reports, your colleagues, your peers, even maybe outside of the work environment as well. Collect as much feedback as you can. On, and so ask them to send you some of your strengths and weaknesses when it comes to communication and just start there and start to analyze. So is my, are my perceptions correct? What are, where are my opportunities for uh, improvement and what do I need to double down on? And that is almost like your roadmap for improving your communication. And you could do it through the lens of self, right, for your personal leadership, your communication style, but then you could also do it for your organization. So just like you would normally use SWOT to analyze your entire business, you could actually get, you could pull your team together and analyze your the communication how effective the communication is in the organization by doing a SWOT of your communication. And there are things like rhythms and processes and ways of engaging and all of that would come up. And then you have your roadmap to start working on it. How does that Very sound, Jared? Nice. Yeah, that sounds like a, a fantastic place to start. And I I mean, it, it's it's going to, it sounds easy, <laughs> but I also recognize that it's, it's, it, it's going to be a lot of work and it will be an, an ongoing thing. So maybe you've got some suggestions on, on some of the sort of the, the exercises or things I should be looking at to work at specifically with my communication skills. Yeah, so I think, you know, like everything in life, most most things are habitual, right? So our style of communication is actually habitual. So if we want to start changing the way we engage or the way we show up or the way we communicate or listen, et cetera, so we actually need to start building new habits around them. So step one is really about that awareness, so a habit of awareness, right? So perhaps you get feedback and you um, have poor listening skills, right? Then you'd want to build a habit of, of being present and really listening. So that might be doing things like, you know, stop multitasking when someone's speaking to you, put down and close everything you're doing and be 100% present and really listen. Um, you know, start catching yourself when you are not um, in the moment. You know, when you get home from work and you, um, your, your partner is speaking to you, but you're still thinking about the day. Like catch yourself in the moment and bring yourself back. Can you really be present in a meeting 
um, at home? Are you really listening? Um, and this brings me back to something about those meetings. So what frustrates me no end in today's world in this kind of hybrid work is that we're all in these extra team meetings and we're all online all the time and we're all trying to communicate in these meetings. But half the time people are doing more than one thing at once or they're not really listening, right? Well, then what's the point of being there? So I yeah. think listening is probably, and, I, and I'm not, I know you said, what can, what are some of the skills? I, I actually truly believe that this might be one of the skills that is most lacking because the world has been designed to kind of get our attention. There are so many distractions, you know, Teams pops up with chat, your uh, email account pops up, WhatsApp, all of them have been designed to to, you know, with their pings and their noises and their pop-ups to get your attention. And we're suffering from a culture of people just actually being very distracted. And it's, it's spilling over to not only being distracted and not being able to focus, but not being able to listen either. So I think there's something around that. I think some of the things I mentioned earlier, like, you know, as a leader, start um, building a culture of feedback, just as we discussed. I won't go into more detail around that because I think I went into it quite a bit. But um, also this idea of two ears, one mouth. Um, you know, um, I think an interesting point is um, we we learn most when we're not talking, right, when we're listening. So in your culture of your organization, you know, try and listen yeah. to your people. Try and hear them. Try and hear what's really going on. Learn from them. Learn what's working, what's not, and so on. Um, I think also when if you're someone that is kind of got a bit of an aggressive communication style or you find yourself getting triggered easily and flying off the handle, um, you really might want to just practice a simple habit of this idea of stop, pause, and engage. So it's almost this idea of slow down to go fast. When you get that email that triggers you and you start slamming a response into the inbox, um, you know, just don't respond now. Wait 24 hours or wait two hours until you've cooled down. But the same goes for your verbal communication. You know, if you're on the phone or you're in a meeting or you're in a team, just stop think before you speak and then engage and, and also remember you don't always have to speak in the moment you can say like okay that's a really good question or a thought let me come back to that um i think when you are you know as a leader chairing a meeting um you should try and uh you know leaders should speak last so that it gets other voices speaking and you don't have anchoring where everyone kind of goes with what the leader says right and there's no original thought and uh, the same goes for getting you know letting the quieter people speak first um you'll get a more diverse set of ideas um yeah i think there's so much it all depends off the back of that swat you know what is your roadmap and what do you which communication skill do you specifically need to to learn but i think acknowledging the change in others behavior is a really important thing for people to do um, and if you're really struggling with your communication processes within your organization you might even want to get a consultant or someone an external person to come in and just really help you sh uh, shape those and use the right tools and the right channels for the right process fantastic those are some great suggestions that are i think going just back to the stop pause engage one that's also it's so many people could take that uh, and, and use it. I think we'd be living a much happier uh, world. <laughs> Jackie, I, I wanted to ask you if you had any resources for us to, to refer to. I mean, with incredible discussion and there's so much, so much going on in this. As you said, this is a really complex and broad, uh, big topic uh, around communication. But to the listeners, are there any, any resources that you would recommend uh, going to explore? Sure. So I think 
Um, a few that come to mind, one would be uh, for the big picture and the kind of scaling process and aligning purpose to, to everything that you do and, and, and so on. Um, I think Bernay Harnish's book on scaling up is a really good resource. Um, I think Radical Candor by Kim Scott is really great if you're struggling to give and receive feedback in your organization, something I've spoken a lot about today. Um, and then I think if you really want to learn a different style of managing and leading people and you want to kind of understand a little bit of the neuroscience behind the way we communicate, the way we think, and the way we achieve more through others, really about kind of motivation and performance, then Quiet Leadership by David Roth is, a, is one of my personal strong favorites. Um, and then, yeah, I don't think you can look for, you know, different programs online. You know, we focus strongly around communication in our program specifically um, and a range of other soft skills, but there's loads of other things out there online that you can also have a look at. Um, and there's lots of good TED Talks as well. Um, so perhaps look out for those and, and, and just get stuck in. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Jackie. No, I really, really appreciate the time uh, that you've taken to talk to us today about communication, which is uh, <laughs> communication about communication. Um, it's so important. And, and I think uh, we, we as leaders or as entrepreneurs really do need to invest some very, very important work and time into how we're doing this um, on an ongoing basis. And I think it's, uh, it's important to know that you don't always get it right. Um, and that you, you're going to have to, to, to keep it in check and keep kind of exercising that muscle of communication and making sure that it's achieving its, its purpose. So, yeah, once again, Jackie, really appreciate your time and, and I look forward to the next discussion um, on why, why people matter and the people development with entrepreneurs. And uh, we look forward to engaging with you soon.